0: and hype it up everybody this is health skill podcast today we speak about traumas with my dear friend carmen elena frey who has a master of science in psychology he she just she just finished her uh, <laughs> can i say it? she just finished her master thesis there and so congratulations again and i'm very excited she's also a yoga teacher next to that she's a psychologist and um I'm really happy to have you today. How are you doing, Carmen? Today, how are you, how is your day going?
1: Oh, thank you very much for your introduction. Um, I'm very happy to be here, uh, finally after so many episodes of your great podcast. I really I'm honored to be here. Um, my day is going uh, not as planned. I'm feeling a little bit like a sore throat and everything, but um, so thanks to uh, all of our technical equipment, we still managed to, to get the podcast going. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, so Corona safe. So yeah, I'm very excited to be here.
0: Great. Thank you so much. You so much. Uh, uh, it's my pleasure, it's to, my have pleasure to have you. So, uh, so uh, can you mute yourself you. again? Because <laughs> it's a little bit <laughs> strange <laughs> to hear myself speak <laughs> as well. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, We're starting with a little centering practice as we always do right now. So I'll invite, uh, you Carmen and everybody who's listening in right now, everybody who is here to find a great sit and connect your sitting bones to, to whatever you're sitting on right now to your chair and feel how your feet are rooted into the ground. And from there, take a deep breath into your belly, into your chest, connecting with your own body today. You might want to close your eyes for a moment, wherever you're listening. If you're listening and train in a train or if you're listening on the go, of course, don't close your eyes. If you're driving a car and from there, we connect with the listeners. We connect with each other, take one more deep breath in to your belly, into your chest. And then slowly come out of it again, your time opening up your eyes again. So let's start this podcast up slowly. Dear Carmen, can you tell us a bit about your journey? into yoga of course because you're a yoga teacher and we're all about yoga here and into psychology
1: well <laughs> where where should i start um so maybe let's start with the with the yoga pathway let's it like that um so i started practicing yoga for myself um more than 10 or even 12 years ago um, and it was actually quite a funny um, coincidence, because I did not really know anything about yoga. I was not into that community or anything. Uh, much the opposite, I would say. So I was really all about going out and partying and, and everything. So and then one day I discovered this little book. Um, so my, my dad was was, was cleaning up um, our house and like was uh, sorting out a lot of old books and stuff. So... And then one day I come across this little red book that says Hatha Yoga. And I was like, well, what's that? I've, I have no clue. So I just opened it up and it was, it was written in, in, in Hindi. Um, so I did not even understand a single word. And I just saw those like asana poses. Um, and I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, let's just try it. And then I did some of the poses myself and I figured out the Surya Namaskar A series. Just from the pictures, I uh, started to practice that and really just the Syria Namaskar series. And then um, at some point, I think I started Googling um, what, what is yoga? What is it all about? And then I bought another book about yoga. And for the first couple of years, I really just did my own home practice. So I never even stepped a foot into a studio or anything. And then at some point, um, I started going uh, into classes. But in the beginning, it was really um, more like um, so classes organized by uh, by our university, so it would be free for students. Um, which is of course very different from like a traditional yoga studio. So it's it's like this gym setting, and it's very very much like down to the basics, which I really appreciated. So it's not about the fancy decorations or anything. Yeah, and um, that was sort of my way into yoga. And I started reading books about the philosophy, about the history of yoga. And it was really a lot of a lot of it I actually um, um, worked on in myself without any teacher in the beginning. Um, yeah, and uh, so you can see there is the, the crossway between my studies and, and, and the yoga. Um, I started studying psychology in 2013, I guess. After I came back from like a almost around the world trip, it was sort of this cliche, oh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing with my life. Um, let's go and travel and find out. And I came back not really knowing much more. I just knew, okay, there's like two things I really want to do um, that interest me a lot. Um, however, I c- couldn't really figure out which one of those ways I would um brought a go and it was between studying medicine and uh, psychology so there was this great back and forth thing going on in my head and at some point I just had to um, decide and I went for psychology yeah uh, I did do two years of med school in between but I had to um, like come to terms with myself and 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 realize okay this is not
0: um, meant for me
1: yeah so this is um a little bit about my my background.
0: Okay, cool. So uh, why why did you have such a uh, red book lying a- around that uh, that is was written in Hindi Hindi, as you said.
1: Good question. So um, my dad, it was my dad's book, um, and he apparently. So I knew that he was traveling around India when he was young. So he's um, born in the 50s and so he was within those like this generation the 60s the 70s going to india was like part of the you have to do this to be cool (laughs) (laughs) so yeah he was really into all of those um like alternative communities at the time so yeah and i think he just bought his book without really knowing what he was um buying just because you know i went to india i did some yoga well that's done. Crossed off the bucket list. I think that was um, that was a bit a bit, a bit of what was going on, and he never even read the book. I'm sure. So that was actually kind of funny that I um, found it one day and, and really got intrigued. I I couldn't even tell you why I opened the book. It was just somehow I don't know attracting me.
0: <laughs> cool. So um, I I mentioned already you wrote your. Ma- master thesis um, just recently. You finished it recently. And you wrote about traumas. So can you explain why did you write about traumas in your master thesis?
1: Well, it was specifically about childhood trauma. So the long-term effects of childhood trauma to be precise. And I think, um, I mean, obviously there's different aspects to choosing a master's thesis subject for instance you can't always just choose a random topic you have to sort of go with what's available but on the other hand I had I had a choice between several um, um, topics and I choose trauma because I think it's something very important that we sometimes forget we might even carry around with us ourselves um, especially from childhood uh, and so I, I thought it was a very good a topic um, to dive deeper into and also to um, contribute maybe something to science and what we know about the long-term effects of childhood trauma so it was like a personal a personal interest in that subject
0: cool so, before we get really started, I wanted to ask you, uh, what even is a trauma? Because uh, we, we need to discuss, like, um, about, first of all, okay, what is a trauma? What is samskara? And how are they connected to each other? Before we can really uh, start to uh, go deeper, could you uh, explain a little bit about what is a trauma? Yeah, definitely.
1: I think it's... it's um it's important to sort of define what we're actually talking about. Um, And there the problem starts from a scientific point of view. I mean, we have to sort of um, realize that there's like this whole science and psychology concept of trauma. Uh, And there is like, there are definitions around for trauma, but it might be different from what we're talking about when we're referring to trauma in a sense of yoga or samskara. Um, So from my more like scientific background, I would say um, trauma is something, an event or a series of events that has a profound impact on the individual, like on every aspect, on the mind, the body, and the way that we perceive our environment. And it can have long-lasting effects, as we now know. Um, It is So the the, the World Health Organization defines trauma as some event or series of events that almost everybody who would be confronted with this would react in a very strong way. So it is, um, it has to be so, some sort of an objective, very serious event. And then on the other side, when we're talking about trauma more in a broader context, I would say it is something that changes the way that we perceive our environment and ourselves.
0: Great. Great. So, um before before we um little little question in there or is trauma always something in the past so just just to uh, get that out of my head because uh it needs to be hap- so it needs to be past uh, already to be able to label it to that you can label it as trauma so it needs to be in the past right is that correct or um,
1: Um, very good, very good question. I think, um, mostly when you're looking into literature, like the science aspect of trauma, definitely they always refer to trauma as something that happened in the past. Um, probably this has to do uh, with research that has to look back at something. I mean, it would be very difficult to, to study um, a person or an individual who is experiencing something in that very moment. Um, which would also be ethically a bit problematic because they would not probably not realize what they're doing. So they might not even be able to give consent to being um, a study subject. So from that point of view, definitely trauma is something that happened in the past. But when we're going uh, away from the scientific um, point of view, I think there is no um, clear definition on if trauma has to be in the past. Um, I think if we're very aware of what's happening with us, we might even be able to realize, okay, um, this situation where I'm in right now is having such a profound impact on my life um, that I could consider it to be a traumatic event ongoing. Mm -hmm. So there is no, um, I think, no criteria that says trauma cannot be something in the present.
0: Okay, thank you. So, uh, are you familiar with the term samskara? Do you do you kind of like know that term?
1: Um, I have heard of it, but it would be um, appreciated if you could explain, like, what this um, concept really means in the the terms of yoga. Yeah, exactly. Elaborate
0: a bit. Yeah, what samskaras are, especially in the uh, perspective of the yoga yoga sense, right? So some scars are first of all mental impressions from the past, past recollections of, of like events, and psychological imprints now uh, there's not really a negative connotation or a positive connotation to it but it's just like events that happened and these events form the basis of the karma theory if you did something good in the past right then maybe something good happens in the future so from your action from event that you did something good or if you did something bad then maybe something bad will happen in the future but still, we kind of want to deal with traumas in one way or another. So dealing with traumas or with some scars, And we see definitely they are not the same. They are definitely not the same. And so naturally the question arises, what are different ways to deal with traumas? And, and do you agree with what I said more or less, like with like traumas are the big ones? And, and again, uh, some scars are like including the traumas in the picture from the past, but are also more encompassing. So they are more like hugging even more.
1: I think, um, so first of all, thanks for that explanation. I really did not um, think about some scar being something that could encompass positive experiences which is also um, a very good point. And it sort of makes a lot of sense um, to me now because uh, I I heard a lot or I learned a lot about the karma, yoga karma theory and philosophy when uh, I did my teacher training. And this sort of really fits well with um, my idea of what I learned from psychology. So it definitely, um, there are like even biological or neurological correlates of what we experience and how that might shape our future. So I think um, that's a very important aspect. And maybe the ancient Indian philosophers and and yogis who came up with this whole um, karma theory, they actually knew something and described it in a different way from what we're trying to explain in a scientific and and, and medical way these days. So um, definitely uh, I agree um, that positive and negative um, experiences that we had shape our future in many, many ways. And um, yeah, so that, that makes definitely a lot of sense. And with regard to your question, how to deal with trauma, it obviously depends very much on what kind of trauma that was or that, that is, um, if we're talking about a present tense. Um, so, from my from my experience as a, a psychologist, as a clinical psychologist, um, obviously there are like the standard treatments going to psychotherapy. There are even drugs that can be described, prescribed to deal with it. However, um, from my own personal perspective, I think that yoga can definitely have a big um, um, space in this um, process. So. Um, maybe not on its own alone if you experience like very severe kind of trauma like abuse or um, war crimes or anything like that but um, for like the more broader um, if you if you define trauma as a more broader concept and definitely yoga has a a huge um, a huge potential to help deal with trauma and I think that might be because it helps you, so if you go into the physical, just let's start with the physical practice of yoga, asana, um, it teaches us how to control every aspect of our body and it's sort of, at least for my, my own experience, I feel when I practice yoga, I really focus on the alignment, uh, I pay attention to my breath. I feel very much in control of my own being, of my own body. And I think that's something that people who experience trauma might not feel. Like they feel very, um, so trauma has this effect of making you feel very, um, so not in control of yourself. Things, memories come back. They make something with you. They trigger this process. They trigger a reaction when you see reminder of a trauma it makes you feel anxious it makes your heartbeat and you might feel like oh i'm completely losing control over what's happening with me you might even experience um, flashbacks or or nightmares and you feel like the sense of something is happening and i cannot control it which is obviously triggering a lot of fear as well so that's where i think yoga has a very big potential just even speaking from the physical asana practice because it gives you, by going very deep into the postures, from a sense of alignment, being present, it gives you the sense of control over yourself, I think, which is a, a, a basis to, to, to process trauma. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's one of the ways that yoga can help.
0: Good. Um, definitely. So, where. We're taking it a little bit away, so probably, as you're saying, control of yourself, giving control to yourself, probably also other movement practices, like with lifting weights and, and all, everything that uh, brings you into your body will, will uh, provide that effect for you, that in one way you can get a greater sense of control in your body. Um. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you agree there, or?
1: Yeah, I do agree that physical movement, as such, definitely is a way to deal with um, trauma in general. Like any any physical practice would probably help. I think what actually is the the, the thing that sets yoga apart or makes yoga like a, even more um, long lasting um, way to deal with trauma is that it is not um, it is sort of opening this space where you can be in control with yourself or of yourself, but at the same time, realize that there are so many things that we cannot control. Um, so there is this, this beauty of, of, of letting go and diving deep into yourself at the same time, which um, other sports, I think you will never get to that point. When it's just about running or lifting weights, then you might get this this feeling of, well, I'm strong in that very moment, but this will fade away pretty quickly. And I think yoga is something that has such a a more long-lasting and and, and sustainable effect. And there is actually, interestingly enough, there are studies that say yoga is a very um, good way to to help people who experienced uh, trauma in the long perspective.
0: Great. Um, So before going anywhere else, what are some benefits like in dealing with trauma? Like imagine myself like, oh, or imagine yourself like, oh, I have this thing going on. I never thought about it. Why should I even thought about it now that I'm 10 years older? Why should I think about that? And really, really just... Put that away, I don't want to deal with that. (laughs) What are some benefits that come up into dealing with traumas?
1: Um, That's a very good point, because there are actually people that say, okay, you have to be, and I think that is very true, we have to be really careful when we deal with trauma in therapy and in yoga as well, because um, if you really start to think about what happened and sort of trying to uh, resolve and and go through that process in order to deal with that trauma it might trigger a lot of emotions it might sort of re-traumatize yourself if you're starting to talk about it let's say to a therapist or even to a friend if you've never talked about that experience before that might be a very strong trigger so we have to be careful but Um, I think there are a lot of benefits um, in the long term if you uh, face those fears that come up, if you even start to think about it, because if there's something around that triggers an intense reaction, if you just think about it, or if there's something that reminds you about it, that's a very good indicator that there is something that you need to, one way or the other, deal with, because if you don't, I think it is very, very likely that at some point in your life, it will come back in whatever shape or form. So it might not be very obvious, So that one day you, I don't know, 10 years down the road, you see something that it reminds you and you get sort of this um flashback or anything. But I think trauma, as it shapes the way we perceive the world, let's say you've been abused and you've been, uh, I don't know, made to believe that you're you're not worthy of anything that is sort of very deeply ingrained in your neurological pathways and this shapes the way you perceive the environment every day, okay? all your interactions. And if you do not sort of dig deeper and work your way through all of this, at some point it will come back and you will realize, okay, there are so many things I've been been burying deep, deep down, Um, And and all of a sudden you you feel like there is something boiling and it will come back and it will probably be in a way that is much more difficult to deal with. So I think that's definitely a very good reason to to somehow sit down and and, and work your way through it. Uh, Obviously, it would be a very good idea not to do it on your own um, if it's like a really intense trauma. Because uh, as I can as I said, it might um, it might trigger a lot of emotions, but um, if you get help or a good friend who can uh, who can sit down with you and, and that you really um, feel connected with on a deeper level, I think that's something very very
0: valuable. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's let's go. A question just popped in my head, and I wanted to ask you are trauma's more uh, relevant in in men or in women and or is it like a gender thing or is it like yeah uh, women can deal with it more easily and men no because like the suicide rate could lead to something there what do you think about that
1: so there's there's, there's more than one question in that question <laughs> so from what i know from the scientific point of view um, there have um, they they have found um, evidence for um, so different types of trauma are more common within one gender or the other so domestic violence and and all of those things are much more common in women however other types of trauma everything that is related to violence outside of the household um, let's say violent um, street robberies and and things like that if we're talking about the the trauma in, in in a very scientific, narrow sense, is much more common in, in men. Um, it also depends on your profession, what you do for, for a living, where you live. Um, so if you live, for instance, in the States, chances are much higher that you experience some kind of, um, those kind of traumas that I've been talking about now. Um, so there is not really a gender um, difference in that sense that, But depending on your living circumstances, obviously you are more or less likely to experience one or another kind of trauma. Um, But interestingly, um, it seems to be like, um, so science says in the long term, women are um, more likely to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder compared to men. If you look at the same kind of trauma, Um, if they experience the same kind of trauma, women are more likely to suffer from PTSD in the long term but there obviously is um, are quite a lot of question marks around that so I wouldn't really say that's definitely uh, true but it looks like there might be something um, in the way that um, women deal with trauma in, in, in a different way than, than men do probably or, or might, it might even be due to uh, women sort of being uh, socialized in a way that they reflect more uh, and they dig they, they, Probably deeper into what happened, and they questions themselves a lot more sometimes, and this might lead to um, problems and, and and problems with dealing uh, with trauma in the long term. Whereas men might be more likely to just say for a long for a long period of time, okay, I do not want to talk about it. Um, this can go, you can bury your your stuff for a long time and not suffer from it at all, but. When it comes back, it probably
0: hits you way, way, way harder. Good, thank you for uh, for your answer there. Um, so, what are different things that can happen uh, when you become conscious of a trauma? The the more the question is what, how differently can you be triggered, and what kind of things can be can happen if you're not dealing with traumas? That's kind of like the question, maybe.
1: Okay. Um, so I think um, what, so there's two questions. So what can trigger um, those memories and trauma, traumatic, of traumatic events and what happens then? So first I would say um, probably anything related to the trauma can obviously trigger it. That might, it might be enough to have a certain sense of smell or um, sound. It doesn't even have to be something visual. Um, Sometimes sounds and smells or even a touch can be much more um, of a trigger than actually seeing something. Um, So for instance, um, or even if somebody talks about something, it's just verbal cues, that that might be enough. so, and if, if that happens, if you feel like, okay, this is something that, that, that sets me off deep, deep down, you might feel your heart racing. So there is a lot of physical things going on in the first sort of um, triggering uh, phase. Very, very um, much um, down to physical aspects. And actually, when we, when we become conscious of, okay, this triggers me, what we actually realize is my body responds to that. It's not even just consciously, okay. I know I had this experience and it was terrifying for me. It is more that we become aware of our body's reaction to what we just heard of what we just seen. And then we start to think about, okay, why, why did this set me off so much? So we actually interpret a lot of what we're, what we're experiencing. Is interpreting the signs of our body reacting to something? And this might take a long time to figure out why and how my body responds to certain things. And then um, if you do become conscious of, okay, there is something I need to work on, on something terrifying that happened to me, I think it might initially actually um, sort of um, re-expose you to what happened. If you start to really think about it and try to maybe reconstruct what happened, um, then it might be very, very intense. So this is why I said it's probably better if you get um, professional help or the help um, and support of a really close friend or family member. Um, But I think in the long term, it's definitely the better way to go because trauma, as I said, it shapes your entire perception of your environment, your relationships. And if you um, do not work on that, someday you will realize, okay, something that happened in my life like 20 years ago shaped so many things and now I am deeply stuck into that way of how I perceive the world. Maybe I'm getting, maybe I am very, very um, suspicious of everybody, like I don't, do not wanna come uh, closer to anybody in an intimate relationship. I always back off um, because I feel threatened. I feel um, insecure because something happened to me. And then only if you work on that and you sort of make those connections, and expose yourself to a certain degree to those feelings, then you can little by little resolve those issues. And this is actually a process that happens also on a, on a neurological basis. So you have to, and it's a very stupid word to say, but sort of have to rewire your brain because it is very much wired in a way that makes you um, very triggered as soon as there are certain things that remind you of the trauma.
0: Good. Um so another question came up right now as we're kind of like speaking with each other, we're just speaking about trauma, 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 trauma. And of course, uh there's there's a negative connotation to that, and we're if if somebody now works on a, on her own or yeah, his own um if he only or she only connects with the negative all the time then one might become very, very much pessimistic in one way. So uh, not only connecting with the negative and seeing not the positive in one's, one's life anymore is like also a big, big danger of what could happen. Yeah, yeah. What could happen then there? And yeah, that's not really a solution to only connect with trauma. What do you think about that thought?
1: I definitely could not agree more with you, um, so just um, as an example maybe from from psychotherapy, you always always have to not only look at the negative but big 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 part of any um, psychotherapy um, would be to look at the patient's resources like what what do they bring as a human being, what are their strong points their qualities where do they feel like okay this resonates with me Um, when I do this and that I feel really good I feel connected with myself Um, or maybe some skills that they have that you can work on because as you said if you only work with the negative then there is this imbalance happening even more and this cannot be the goal so anytime you're working with people in psychotherapy and I think that this is true for, for any kind of, of disease, of any kind of mental disease. You're not only working on let's say the pathological things, but you should be working on the qualities and the resources. Where does that human being get their like sort of life energy back? And maybe this relates to yoga in a very beautiful way when we're talking about prana, like the life force, the life energy. Where where do I replenish? Where do I feel in touch with myself so and uh, if you're working on trauma and you're working on that that patient's resources um if you put those two things together i think this is where the process can really be fruitful in the long run because then they learn okay there is not only negative things because we tend to if we're very much stuck in a place we tend to see everything in a very negative way And there is a lot of um, technical terms to explain that um, as a psychologist, but I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. There are those days where you just feel like everything is really, really bad and dark. This is normal, but some people, especially who experience trauma, they might um, only see the world through these eyes. And it is very common in in people who experience um, um, relationship-related traumas that they they have this impression. Okay, everything is my fault, um, and they sort of ingrained this into their way of thinking. And it takes a lot of effort, a lot of lot of effort, to sort of uh, work your way to a more balanced view of the world. Like, okay, obviously there are negative things, but there is always also something positive. And to learn or, or to make them see the positive things in everything. That's a huge part of psychotherapy and might be the the most crucial part at the end of the day.
0: Towards mental health, just mental health right now. If somebody likes to improve their mental health, what would you recommend them?
1: Whoa, okay, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) I would say I say, um, I cannot answer this in a very general, it depends on the individual. Obviously I cannot say, okay, this is a recipe for everybody. But if there are like the most um, generic things you could maybe do to improve your health, your mental health is um, actually a lot of things that, that the yogic way um, offers you. Um, and you might just, you know, expanding this sort of this yogic pathway beyond the actual yoga and into everything. So I think a lot of those concepts are really valuable tools that we can use these days um, to improve our mental health, which includes um, silent times with yourself. Meditation practice is definitely something um, that I would recommend, even though it might be one of the toughest or hardest things to actually stick to. Um, And while we're talking about sticking to something, establishing routines is definitely a very good way to um, improve your mental health, but especially for those people who are struggling with mental health problems, it might be very very difficult to stick or sort of establish a routine, um, which is also one of the of the problems that they experience. Um, in general, I think um, it is. We all know what helps us improve our our mental health, but it is more. Uh, the question is, are we really doing it? I think in theory, everybody knows eating healthy, exercising regularly, having a, a close a circle of friends whom you're trusting, um, going out into nature. Uh, I think we all know that, but are we really doing it? This is this is the question I think. And I think one more crucial thing is to um, for for like true mental health and well-being. If we're just it is a difference between are we, is there illness or no illness or are we actually happy? So um, there is this actually very interesting conversation um, also uh, going on in science. What is um, health? Uh, there is different ways to define health. Is it the absence of disease or is it more like a true sense of happiness? And Can I, per, um, can I work on my dreams? Can I work on my goals? So there is different aspects to it, but um, yeah. At the end of the day, we really just have to ask ourselves: Are, are we doing um, what we already know? It's a question of implementing it. Hmm.
0: Okay, thank, thank you, thank you, uh, Carmen, for that answer. So let's go quickly to the your your questions, and um, uh, so Mama Chul asks a little something. So. Um, Do you know EMDR as a form of treatment in helping with trauma and its connection to yoga practice? In helping with trauma and its connection to yoga practice. Do you know that?
1: Uh, EMDR, (laughs) if I'm not mistaken, it is a short word for eye movement desensitization something. I am definitely uh, not uh, experienced with that. But i know i heard of it i don't know what it, the concept of it um is so it is um used in it's a technique used in psychotherapy uh, specifically also for trauma where you use um eye movement um while so it is sort of um a setting of you you go you go into that traumatic experience with the patient like guided exposure therapy while um, the therapist is working with the eye movements of the patient. So, eye movements can be very revealing in terms of where the patient looks. And they t- sort of, if, if you feel like, okay, the patient is trying to uh, evade from what you're talking about because it triggers a traumatic experience, it triggers the, those memories when you're talking about the, the events. Then you can use those eye movements as a sort of guide. Okay, is the, is the person evading the situation or are they really staying with it? Because the concept of, of exposure really says you have to go all the way through to that experience one more time in order to be able to process it. And as long as you do not do that... It sort of stays in that circle, in those, in those neurological pathways, and it goes every time it is triggered, the same circle will be triggered one more time. And only if you work it through consciously with guidance, then you can sort of break the circuit and rewire what happened. And there they use this EMDR. I'm definitely not trained in that field, but I, I know this exists. And I know it has been quite a controversy going on whether or not that is useful and helpful for the patient. But okay. More than that, I would not be able to to say.
0: Okay, wonderful, thank you. Um, but there's there's not really a connection to yoga, or is there, probably there is a connection, but we don't just don't know about it.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you say, is there a connection to yoga? In my in my perspective, everything at the end of the day is connected to yoga because yoga is connected to everything. Okay. Um, if you look at the yogic pathway in in a, in a really broad sense, yeah. um, Yeah. But it is definitely not connected on a, on a very like obvious, um, level. Okay. Sure. More like in the broader, broader sense.
0: Good. Uh, so also Mama Chul asks, uh, what are your thoughts on the concept that our bodies retain traumas and affect us negatively? So our bodies, uh, I don't know what she means of bodies. I think she means our whole body with, with kind of like the mind integrated. So,
1: so yes, body can mean a lot of things. Um, body can mean body as in muscles and everything, or it can mean the neurons. Um, In our head and brain. So speaking from the body-body perspective, so muscles and everything um, I think it might very well be that in the moment of a traumatic event Depending on the traumatic event itself. It definitely can happen that let's say you're you're being attacked Let's let's take that for an example. You're being attacked in the street by I don't know a violent robber who wants to take away your phone and money and whatever And it is definitely possible that those kind of movements that you do, like you sort of tense up or or back off, that those kinds of movement, because the movement is always connected to a neural impulse. And those kinds of movement that you do in that very moment, they sort of get ingrained into, via the neurological pathway, get ingrained into your physical being. So there are new pathways being formed. Um, and this is this is definitely um, something very interesting that you can work on in in uh, therapy. And this is also where I wanted to make the, the bridge with the asana practice, because this is where you can um, sort of work with those memories, those physical memories of your body and get back in control over your movements and get that feeling, okay, I am the one who is controlling my movement and it was not something from the outside that triggers me and all of a sudden I feel like oh I'm I'm, I'm in this hunched position I'm in this um, scared position again so definitely there is a connection to the body and um, if we're talking more about the mind um, connections obviously everything that we we do think or that is being triggered when we're when we're thinking about trauma there is a neurological um, correlate for it. So every moment that we learn something new, neurons are formed and connected. And this is very true also for traumatic events. So this is what I've been talking about before. Um, a traumatic event is nothing more, at the end of the day, than, than, than um, neurons that sort of rewire with each other. And once those are very, so the difference between something else that we learn, let's say we read a book and we learn, okay, um, the king of blah, 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 has lived from, I don't know, 8040 to 8050. This is just a very different kind of connection. Um, it's a very unstable connection. If you don't use this knowledge every day, you will forget it. However, <laughs> if you experience a traumatic event, what happens is that the physical reaction to this is so strong because it is something vitally um, something vital that may be um, dangerous to you. Your body reacts in such a strong way, releasing a lot of uh, neurotransmitters that provoke this connection, which is formed in that very moment, to be so so strong that it takes sometimes years to be able to detangle it and to sort of break that circuit.
0: Wonderful. So, thank you so much for that answer. It was really, really interesting to hear about that. Next to that, we have another question from Pen- Pumpkin Panda who asks um, um, Can trauma leave effects on us without us being aware? And if we are not aware, how can we work on it?
1: Yeah, very, very good question. I think um, definitely it is possible that if you even if you're not aware of trauma um, that happened to you, that they affect you. Um, however, working on them without you being conscious of it, that's that's very hard. I, I do not see how this could work. But I think what we can do is that we listen um, to like the fine signals that we get from within. So that we actually, and this is also where yoga and meditation can really come into 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 play, because it teaches us to listen within, to listen and look within, and this is maybe the starting point when you realize, okay, there is something um, where I, let's say, even 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 just there is a, there is a there is a moment in my meditation practice when I feel like, okay, I cannot let like, go 100%. Um, what 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 thoughts are popping up in my head right now? And maybe that could give you some hints about some deep, deep buried things that you have to work on because maybe something always pops up in those moments when you feel like there is, there is tension. I cannot locate it, but there is tension. I can feel it. And then if you take the knowledge that you worked on and you um, gained with your yoga and meditation practice, you can listen within and and go deeper beyond that Um superficial things and you can really start to work on what the, like the very very small signals that you get from your body and your your thoughts so i think it would definitely be um it would definitely be necessary for you to have some idea um what happened or what sets you off or what kind of traumatic events there were but even just a hint can be enough to start um especially when you've got a professional help to start working on it and to really um, get more more freedom at the end of the day if you worked
0: through it. Yeah, so wonderful. Uh, I would, would like to add, add to it, to... Um, to just trust also in the meditation practice, yeah, as you said, the meditation practice, and of course with time you can you can take it more consciously head on if you like to, but again uh, we're speaking also about traumas. We we mustn't speak about only about traumas. We we, we need to find a gem- more general term. In my case, or at least from my thought, like speaking about some scars would make more sense, as we are kind of incorporating the good and the bad into it and at least from my point of view and other than that uh, your answer is perfectly great I think so I, I don't want to undermine your answer but I kind of like just want to say yeah we need to incorporate the whole samskara into it in, instead of just uh, like tra- uh, traumas so uh,
1: if, yeah. I, if I could just add to that one, one little a final um Remark on that. I think it's very important what you just said. It's we've been talking a lot about trauma, trauma, trauma in in a very negative way. This is one way to look at past experiences. There are negative ones, but definitely the same goes for positive ones. The same goes for wow. Okay, there is something I feel like this gives me such a lot of energy and and good energy. What is it? What? Where are my qualities? Where are the things that make me happy, truly happy, where do I feel at peace? And this is the same, the same process of listening inward um, goes for the positive things that happen to us. And I think if you experience very um, profoundly positive things, let's say in relationships with, with friends or family or or romantic partners, this sort of gets ingrained in you, your mind and in your body in the same way. Um, I think if you've ever had this experience of you love somebody and they have a particular perfume or sense of smell and you you smell that very perfume somewhere else you will have this um very positive emotions and warm feeling that re- arises whenever you you sense that smell so this is sort of the opposite and and i think as everything in life, we need to we need to incorporate the, the light and the dark. It makes us who we are, both of them. Is
0: there is there a word like uh, for that uh, other than you know what I mean? Uh, like traumas, there's a word for it. But is there a word for like profoundly positive uh, events in the past?
1: Oh, that's a very very difficult question. Um, there is not one word that pops into my mind right now, but um, I think I would call it like key key experiences. Some experiences that shape your understanding of yourself, um, and this can be uh, the same as for trauma. You can all sometimes you might only realize that the value of those moments way 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 back. So like ten years later, you realize okay, this was. This was a moment when I felt in a I felt a certain way. It just gave me so much, and it takes you a lot of time to realize that. But um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a very good question. I have to maybe look into maybe look into literature if there is a, a, one word that actually defines that. Would be would be good to know.
0: Yeah, def- definitely reach out to me so I know that as well because uh, I-, I think probably there isn't a word or maybe there is uh, and just maybe it's not in our language or something like that which probably is the case definitely. <laughs> Somewhere is the word. <laughs> so good. Um, one more little question from my my side. Uh, think Think about that you're a parent right now. Uh, coming back to your master thesis, just a little tiny bit. Of course, your master thesis wasn't around, around that. Now I'm coming more to, towards like solution as the solution approach to it. So as a parent, what kind of actions do you need to do with, uh, to, to help a child that had, a like, um, a situation, uh, that could be translated into a trauma in the future of this, uh, person or this child? <laughs> Did you under understand the question
1: yeah yeah yeah. um (laughs) i think the one single most important thing for a child in any kind of situation is the the fact that they know that they can come and speak about everything no matter what happens and i think this is this is the most valuable things that we can give our children being there listening to them not forcing ourselves um, upon them in the sense of oh I, I know there's something bothering you tell me but just sort of giving them the feeling of I'm always here you can always come to me and I won't judge you I think a lot of times children who experience trauma they feel so insecure that they feel like okay if I go and and talk about it, it might it might even be the case that I'm going to be the one who is being um, like sort of, OK, maybe they're going to say it's my fault. And so if 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 we as parents um, give them the feeling of security and an absolute like you can trust me, I won't, I won't blame you, then they can really open up. And this is the, the beginning of, of any kind of process of working through a trauma. So letting them know that they can always come and they won't be judged.
0: So kind of like the parents are making therapy in one way. (laughs) And yeah. So thank you so much. Uh, Thank you so much, Carmen, uh, for this podcast that we had together. Um, So I wanted to ask you, where can people find you, especially as people are maybe listening in right now? online where can people find you online
1: um so online mostly it's uh, it's instagram for now but there is not a lot of psychology stuff on there it's mostly <laughs> um meeting outside in nature or cooking two things that i find deeply therapeutic for myself or doing yoga um but yeah definitely it's uh, at lafeu Maybe you can post it afterwards in the, yep. in the chat or something. Yep. Um, yeah. But um, if, if anybody has any more questions or, uh, yeah, anything, I would be happy to to get your your messages. You can definitely always just text me on Instagram and I will get back to you if you have any questions about anything. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. So this was Hellskill Podcast. Uh, next week... We have the wonderful Glenda here, uh, who will uh, sing us, sing with us some mantras, but probably not just uh, singing. But we are also will be talking about mantras quite a lot. And I'm super super excited for that. Next to that, uh, yeah, tune in live at live Available. We are available on all podcast platforms. This was Health Skill Podcast. We are leveling up. Your health skill.